Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the commentary for Dependent Shakespeare As You Like It, Act 1, Part 1. I'm your director, Swen Halverson, and I'm joined by uh, Assistant Director George Linfield. Hello. And Dramaturge Landon Bell. Hello, hello! Starting off here, we have the prologue, which I directed. It's a pretty fiery the, uh, prologue. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to make it like a very epic fantasy. So. Yeah, I really uh, like the fact that we can kind of come in as the dragon arrived. <laughs> and yep. next start for us as well. It's really cool. So for the dragon sounds, we have tiger sounds, uh, we have lion sounds, um, we have some dinosaur sounds that were put toge together by somebody else, and there's even actually some uh, grinding of rocks. See, I'm quite jealous because I only got to play with horse sounds. <laughs> got, you've got tigers, you've got dinosaurs, oh man. I do admit that I did uh, choose that scene because I wanted to direct it. <laughs> <laughs> and we have As I remember, uh, scene one, which uh, George Linfield directed. For a thousand crowns. Yeah, lots of lots of chopping of, of trees. Or tr trimming of kind of shrubberies. I really like this this scene because it kind of sets out what's what's been happening, what the background for the play. Yeah, I thought this scene came together uh, very nicely. Um, not at all like I expected when I adapted the script. So, what were you what were you expecting out of interest? Um, I was expecting it to be kind of dull in the first half of the scene, uh, just because when you've got these big monologues, they get. And to that end, uh, just kind of boring after a while. Um, yeah. And, and I thought that um, Will Shipley here as Orlando and then um, Edward Herman as Adam, that they both did a good job keeping interest, audience interest. No, absolutely. Like, I think it's... I was worried about, like, the big monologues because I've never really directed anything or worked on anything where someone's just kind of got this really long monologue to start with um, but i think we we kept our interest is kept by kind of the intrigue of the story and then ultimately you have the arrival of dun 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 we'll see you later <laughs> just in case anyone listens to the commentary track before the actual episode i don't know <laughs> A um, couple names I did forget to mention. Um, in the prologue, we had Iri Alexander as Amien. Uh, we also had Russell Gold as Duke Senior, and Alexander Elroy as Rosalind. Oh, and uh, Pete, Pete Lutz as uh, Duke Frederick also. Almost forgot Pete. <laughs> He's got a very authoritative voice. Um... Um, for this play, we've been using the uh, music of Stephen O'Brien, um, and I pretty much uh, did the um, scoring for 
putting the score underneath all. I think the music is one of like the really strong parts of this episode. Actually, it'll it's it's great. Like it comes together so well. Yeah, I gave it a, just a a great fantasy vibe. Yeah, it really really supports kind of the theme we're going for. So yeah, good work. So a lot of these I like took pieces of his uh some of his music and then put them together or sometimes the song was a little bit short so I would loop it uh, but uh, sometimes I would change the key or something as well just to make it a little bit different you are too young in this wilt thou lay hands on me villain I am no villain I am the youngest son of Sir Roland de Bois he was my father and he is thrice a villain that says such a father begot villains were thou not my brother, I would not take this hand. And we're just listening to the actor speak now. It's just gonna say, like, he's a really, really strong Orlando. He's got that kind of soft innocence to his voice, but then capable of real forcefulness in the scene. Goes right across the register. Yeah, and that's not at all what I expected because um, we had had Will in a couple of other plays, and uh, each time he had been playing characters who were uh, a little bit on the softer side. And so when I heard him being really forceful here, I was like, "Wow, I didn't know he had that kind of range." <laughs> yeah, no, I think he he kind of nails um, he nails the Orlando here. Like, Quite naive, quite innocent, but with a sense that you know he needs to be quite firm with his brother. I pray you leave me. I will no further offend. So tell us about uh, adapting this for fantasy, Landon. Um, well, it, it has been quite the interesting process. Um, I should go back. Um, I approached. Swan and George and was like, okay, do you guys have any kind of preferences for what we do next? And Swen suggested fantasy and George suggested as you like it. So I was like, okay, I, I can probably make that work. <laughs> and, and so I got to work on it and I was surprised by how well certain elements fit together for a fantasy setting because the forest itself is already kind of fantastical. And so all you really have to do is just add, you know, dragon here, uh, a medieval setting there, and, and you've got your, your fantasy. I think this is probably the most, like, fantastical of Shakespeare's plays. In terms of creatures... Like, you can imagine in the 1500s when he was writing it and releasing it. Um, but it would have been very, very strange to see some of the creatures that popped up in the play. So kind of having, like, a dragon and having these weird mythical beasts isn't actually that outrageous. Right. Um, so you're right, they do, like, fit together really nicely, Good the theme morning, and the play, which is why I kind of suggested it. Your Charles. What's the new news at the new court? I think there'll be a chance to kind There's of no news at the court, see the, but the fantastical the theme come through much more later on. Yeah, especially in um, Act 1, Part 2 and uh, Act and 2, you really start to see it come together more. Put themselves into voluntary exile with him, whose lands and here and we have Scene 2, which I directed. Therefore, he gives them good leave to wander. 
Can you tell if Rosalind's daughter be in banished with scene. her father? Uh, in this scene, we have Ted Wenskus as Oliver, who uh, was in the previous scene, also. And we have Todd Spiros as, or excuse me, Spiros as uh, Charles. And also in the previous scene, who um, I, I didn't get to name him, was uh, Eric L. Williams as Dennis. And never two ladies loved as they do. Where will the old duke live? They and that about rounds out our cast for this episode. <laughs> and the many merry men with him. Just thinking, there's a lot of like scene setting in this episode. Like even now, <laughs> they're still kind of they say many young gentlemen pointing out where all the characters are. And complete the time carelessly, as they did in the golden world. That's it's such a Shakespearean thing to do. What, the first half of the scene was fairly easy to Very score. Right, I just sir. found one track that really worked pretty well. But the and second half took me forever to that your piece it together to where it worked. I first had some uh, me to try some music that was a little bit more Tomorrow, sir, I wrestle for my credit. jumpy with and a piano, but that didn't work quite as well. Your brother is yeah, I think you sent. Was this the scene you sent over to me with the, mm -hmm. the quite jolly music that kind of came in? Yeah. I think the, the kind of the way you went with it for the for the final kind of cut was. I think it's much improved. That either you might kind of keeps the tone really consistent. Yeah, I, I definitely like how it had a menacing tone to it, um, especially the inner half. I was going to say, Oliver's, like, he's so menacing. Like, definitely fits. One thing about this scene, uh, in the... In the original text, it's not its it, its own separate scene. Um, it still is all taking out taking place outside after Oliver has spoken with Orlando. And uh, as I was working on it, I just realized the scene works so much better if you isolate Oliver and Charles from everybody else. Yeah, you don't want Oliver here. <laughs> no, definitely. Uh, that might be like a. The difference between kind of audio and the original like stage version, where on stage you can imagine like everything's happening in that one space, whereas we can kind of go wherever we want. We can bring characters, you know, far and wide. And that's also kind of why um, I added the prologue too, which is not in the original play. But um, I just wanted to set up the conflict. There's something of the prologue in the original, right? Um, not that I recall. I don't think there is. Um, it just it just cold opens with uh, Oliver and Adam, or excuse me, Orlando and Adam. I thought there was something about uh, the Duke storming the castle somehow, but not with the dragon. If I remember correctly, well, a lot of different um, a lot of different adaptations put a prologue in this play. Um, that's like the uh, the Kenneth Branagh uh, movie adaptation, where he he puts the whole play in Imperial Japan. Uh, in that adaptation, he has a prologue where Frederick storms the the castle or the house or wherever wherever it's supposed to be, <laughs> and um. And, and and so there's a lot of different uh, stagings of this play that will do something similar to that. I think it makes sense though, because 
Otherwise, you are literally just kind of sitting there and and having the scene set for you by the characters. Whereas having this prologue, we're kind of we're introduced to two characters. Well, mainly Rosalind, and we don't know what's happening to her, and that's kind of like intrigue that is going to last for a little while yet until we're properly introduced into her character. Right. And that's one reason I did that um, in this version is because we don't see Rosalind until part two of act one and we don't see Duke senior until act two. And so it made sense to, uh, mm. to kind of fit them in there even just for a moment. Cause they're both massive characters, right. of course. And I guess that's where, you know, what we're, what we're producing now is, is different from a stage play. Like, also known as it's, it's going to be cut up into bits show. and you can kind of consume it in 12 minutes. Like chunks one. speaking of chunks we've reached the end <laughs> of the first one i've decided this will probably be the ending music for this play but there is an alternate version so i might use that i really like it it's called it quaint yeah it's kind of reflective we can kind of think about Music by Stephen O'Brien of Stephen-O'Brien.net. Written by William Shakespeare. Adapted for audio by Landon Bell. Directed by Sven Halverson. Strange being in the big chair. George Linfield. <laughs> Produced by Pendants Productions. Yeah, it's the shuffled crew. It's relaxing being in the smaller really chair. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just glad I have a stool to be honest, guys. <laughs> really enjoyed myself on this uh first scene i got to have I a go you guys both did great well you get uh, some more action next time <laughs> oh yes can't wait all right well i think that about wraps it up for us uh how do you close these how things? about just a simple <laughs> see ya landon get get <laughs> peace <laughs>